ladies and gentlemen, people of all gender identity, Aaron Rodgers Barber, welcome in to the Doer Dynasty podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Horn, here as I always will be with my co-hosts, Brady Mellinger and Nick Sarep. I'm not going to lie, I've, I've had kind of an up and down night. Uh, I was stressed out today because I thought I was in a situation where I was up seven points with only Mason Crosby playing left against me. And just before the game started, there was an update in scoring from NFL. And this wasn't, this wasn't an update of like changed yards or anything like that. This was an update of points. And in fairness, they're scored fairly now, and I deserve to lose this matchup. But I thought that I had a seven-point cushion. I had a three-point cushion. Um, and then you took a big fat basically, L. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm taking a big fat L. Um, really counting on a Mason Crosby mixed, missed extra point to save me. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, NFL, step your shit up. and Come on. Yeah, it's honestly kind of a disgrace we're still using their app. Um, I think next year, if, if we're in a single league in that app, I, I will not be joining. I am also a big proponent of switching apps next year. I guess that's kind of my way of saying it was a little bit of a rough weekend for me, uh, fantasy wise. Um, not doing. I think I had two wins. I think I went two and four this week. My games are still very much playing out. Um, it could go a lot of which ways right now. Unfortunately, I had uh, fourteen players in my across my four leagues playing tonight. So I, I'm i really playing the waiting game right now, and uh, that just shows how committed I am to getting the knowledge to you guys that I'm not watching this game and I'm here uh, trying to spit some facts to you guys and, and, and help you out. Yeah, if you guys haven't figured out, we're recording this uh, as the Packers and Lions game is concluding. Uh, so uh, we have not uh, had a chance to run some analysis on that but we'll bring you the highlights and all the important points from the rest of the games this week and I'm super excited for it because there was a lot of ups and downs and guys that you know showed out in week two and showed that you know last week wasn't just a flash in the pan yes sir there was a lot this week um by the way do you guys uh do you guys want to keep a running tally of our fantasy records in all the different leagues this year yes run a little competition idea all right uh I don't I haven't kept track of mine for now, but we'll start that next week. We'll give everyone a running tally of, of our records just throughout all our different leagues. But so, okay, since the Packers and the Lions are playing, why don't we start out by covering our bold predictions from last week? Uh, despite the fact that this game is not over, um, I my bold prediction, which I'm not sure if like the specifics of what I said made it into the final podcast. As you may have heard, we had some technical difficulties, but my prediction was that neither Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, or Devontae Adams would make it into the top 12 at their position group this week. Uh, I know for a start, Aaron Jones has blown me out of the water. He's got, I believe, 27 PPR points right now. We're still in the third quarter. He just scored his third touchdown, so yeah, he will be in the top uh, 12 running backs this week. I missed that. Okay, I'm, I'm the t- I have the game on, but the TV is behind me. So Aaron Jones proved me wrong, but... You know, another uh, just, well, I, last week I don't want to call average or anything, but, like, I think it's going to end up being kind of average week for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Does that worry anyone? Anyone feel any kind of way about that? Um, I mean, it hasn't looked particularly great for either of them so far. Um, I'm kind of shocked how close this game is right now. Yeah, yeah I... Yeah, yeah. Detroit's putting up a fight. They're trying to get some kneecaps. Uh, they almost got Aaron Jones's. It seemed like a couple minutes ago, but um, yeah, seems like he's the only one balling. Yeah, I mean Aaron Rodgers has twenty plus points. Uh, not exactly sure where that uh, puts him in terms of quarterback rankings for the week, um, but I'm sure it puts him in the top twelve um, because this game's not over yet. And I think. I gave my opinion best on the last podcast. I expected this out of all these players this week. A little shocked Devontae Adams hasn't caught a touchdown yet. Um, but, hey, the game isn't over. we still got the majority of the fourth quarter, so stay tuned. So, Brady, I'll, I'll go to you next because you uh, you were pretty strong this week on your bowl prediction. Yeah, my bowl prediction this week uh, was that Rob Gronkowski would finish as tight end one again, just as he did last week. And I came pretty close. Uh, as of 
you know, this afternoon he was tight end two, only behind Travis Kelsey. Uh, Travis Kelsey had a monster Sunday night game, and I'm I'm very happy with how Gronk played. I have him in a couple of leagues. Uh, he's now on pace for 34 touchdowns this year. So if Gronk could keep Not catching two touchdowns a week, uh, I will continue to be right. And I think that this could be vintage Gronk uh, for the rest of the year because he certainly looks a lot healthier and a lot more involved this year than last year. So there there have been some question marks you know, around all of the Bucks receivers. Antonio Brown didn't really perform yesterday after a big week one. Chris Godwin has had two pretty good weeks, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of people kind of expected that to be, it'll be a different guy each week with a good week. And, you know, Gronk could be the one to to break that mold. He could be uh, the most consistent receiving option on that team. Gronk. I mean, Although it, touchdowns, it, touchdowns are a little, a little bit slippery. Touchdowns are slippery, but I mean, we saw it with Mike Evans last year where, he was the red zone target, and no matter where they were on the field, if they are on the red zone, I mean, he was getting the first look, at least the the first option, and uh, I think that could be Gronkowski this year. I mean, we saw him come on really strong in the playoffs and, and definitely in that championship run, and he's only continued right where he left off last year so far. Yeah, and the quarterback... Brady something something Brady seems to like him um I guess they just have a good connection in the locker room they seem to be getting along Tim I think Tim Tim Brady yeah uh Nick your bold prediction Chris Carson as a top five running back uh didn't quite hit it but he definitely had a good week yeah it didn't quite happen uh the yards weren't there for Chris Carson this week he got the touches he got the 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 important money value looks um, ended with two touchdowns, but he was the running back 15 this week. You know, there are going to be those weeks where he has a hundred yards and absolutely explodes, but unfortunately it wasn't this one. You know, I I'm, I'm over one on these bold takes so far, but looking to definitely bounce back this week. Yeah. And the Titans looked a lot better offensively uh, than they did in week one, for sure. Speaking of all the things that happened week two, let's get into our, Rapid rundown, our raucous review, some third name. I'll come up with a new one next week. Uh, let's uh, let's get in to the rapid rundown. Headlines from Washington. Giants versus football team. Shepard stays Sterling. Terry not so scary. Or maybe very scary. He was good. Danny Dimes digs up the dirt, dances into the end zone. Heineke is Feinicky. One fantasy podcaster wrong about everything he said, except for Saquon. The Falcons versus the Buccaneers. Evans got back on track and Gronk continued to party as both big body pass catchers found pay dirt twice. AB's production walked the plank as he only amassed two points and Rojo was a no-show after getting the start while Lombardi Lenny stays consistent with another 10-point game. Ridley slid into the end zone and C-Pat said slat on his way to the end zone as they were the two highest scoring slimes for Atlanta in week two. The unicorn Kyle Pitts caught five balls for 73 yards and flashed his fairy princess power on a 35-yard catch and gallop but he was unable to find the end zone. Matt Ryan had 300 yards and three interceptions. He also knocked three years off his lifespan as the Falcons O-line couldn't even block a Bucks pass rusher if their balls were swollen from the vaccine. I like that. That's topical. (laughs) (laughs) In more ways than one. Newsflash. Start the defense facing the Jets until further notice. Wilson wishes he had some throws back after tossing four interceptions. Is James White all the way back? He led the Patriots pass catchers this week. As for Damian Harris, certified dog. Headlines from Miami. Bills versus Dolphins. Tua de-ribbed to the displeasure of Dolphins fans, and the fish get goosed. Detective Washed Allen searches for talent. 50% completion rate is suspect. Bill's backfield makes a case for relevance. Doer Dynasty hosts not likely to rule in their favor. 
The Titans versus the Seahawks. A.J. Brown did his best impression of 2019 Nelson Aguilar, a performance we can assume was wildly popular with one Odell Beckham Jr. since he played like shit. Derrick Henry made Bobby Wagner look like a baby back bitch as the well-known pass-catching back huh? had over 200 scrimmage yards, 6 catches, and 3 touchdowns. He was the top fantasy finish. Tyler Lockett locked down the wide receiver one spot in Seattle with 30 points as Big Baby Metcalf was pacified with 11. In fact, even Freddie Swain was able to double his mediocre output. And it was Shep Wilson who left his game in the oven for too long as the colossal Titan comeback couldn't be stopped by Chris Carson's wall of touchdowns. The Raiders rolled into Heinz Field and Ruggs reeled in a deep touchdown grab to seal the deal against the Steelers. Najee and Juju scored for the Steelers, but the volume of the offense ran through Deontay Johnson. Hunter Renfro flex appeal? And there's a deep drive to left by Castellanos. <laughs> <laughs> Highlights from Indianapolis, Rams versus Colts. King Cooper's cup runneth over. Carson Wentz in bad shape needs to find the right ankles after two sprains. And Michael Pittmanley strong arms his way to first career 100-yard game. The Niners versus the Eagles. In what was the most amateur level, pathetic, sloppy, disgusting, hard-to-watch, waste-of-time game of the week, Elijah Mitchell and Jalen Hurts were the lone bright spots. Mitchell was clearly the lead back in San Fran with over 20 carries, but like the rest of that backfield, didn't truly feel comfortable out there until he was able to leave the field with an injury. Hertz wasn't much of a passer in this one, but he made his mark with the legs. He left you with 20 points and the disbelief that two NFL teams could look so painfully bad. Highlights from Cleveland. Texans versus Browns. Browns receivers can't catch a break. Landry likely to miss multiple weeks. Taylor touches down before he's hamstrung by injury. And Brandon keeps cooksing while Kareem hunts for points. Da Bears. Da Bears. Beat the Bengals. Thanks to Joe Burrow during his best Zach Wilson impression. Burrow was the most valuable bear this week. Fields relieved an injured Dalton, but he showed there's a lot of room to improve. The Chiefs versus the Ravens. Hollywood Brown shows even more growth in this one. He's still four foot six, but his on-the-field play has stood much taller after another 20-point showing. Lamar Jackson was dominant as both a runner and a passer, and it was Clyde Edwards Smellair who stunk it up, eventually costing the Kansas City Chiefs a win, and likely had the same effect on your fancy lineup with two points. Tyreek Hill had a lousy game and was noticeably frustrated. In an NFC South showdown, Christian is king, but DJ Moore made an effort for his crown this week. Jameis looked like the Jameis of old, so none of the Saints players had an impressive fantasy week. Don't look now, but Sam Darnold is undefeated this year. I'll look at that all day. Headlines from Arizona, Vikings versus Cardinals. Dalvin survives injuries and delivers the pain. Still can't find the end zone. Kyler and the cards stay hot. Fans want more of Rondale. And Burke Buzzins connects with KJ and Jeffer, is still feeling Thielen, flexes his way to superb week. The Cowboys versus the Chargers. Dak play like crap Prescott, lined up at the stables just to get bucked off the bowl of seconds in. Greg Zerline outscored him with 10 points after the game winner. Amari Pooper gave you just three more than two, and C.D. Lamb chopped the Chargers secondary after the catch. He had 17. Zeke spent more time at the table, but got the same portion of touches as his dinner date, Tony Pollard. The touchdown dessert was split as well, with both backs eating one. They paid your lineups 40 combined to settle the check. Juice Juice World looked down fondly after Austin Eckler ended the game with 999 on carries, targets, and receptions. The PPR Predator was back in a big way this week. Mike Williams carried the Chargers receivers with 22 PPR points yet again, and he has not been this consistent with anything other than getting injured his entire career. Broncos versus Jaguars. Sutton soared as Teddy Two Gloves 
favorite target. But the touchdowns go to Timmy Toe Taps Patrick and Noah Fant. Meanwhile, Marvin Jones is the only Jaguar worth starting for the second week in a row. Jaguars are the early favorite for the first pick in the draft. Hoo-wee. All right, boys. Um, Hoo-wee. I can't, <laughs> I can't tell if we're really hitting our stride or if we should just retire right now. <laughs> mm, I think we're hitting our stride. Teddy, Teddy Tugla, I, I completely miss the fact that he's wearing two gloves out there. You didn't know that Teddy was referred to as Teddy Two Gloves? Yeah, how is that the first time know. you're hearing that nickname? I, I don't know. Maybe like I heard it somewhere and I just forgot it. I don't know. I don't pay a lot of attention to Teddy Bridgewater news. Well, but he does remind start. me of another legendary quarterback who I noticed wearing two gloves this weekend. You guys? You guys? No. You guys know what I'm talking about? Little, little, another favorite for the first pick in the draft next year? Kenny, Kenny Pickett? Oh, stop Kenny it. Heisman? This guy. <laughs> this guy. H2P. Um, all right, good stuff, boys. Good stuff. Uh, again, from from first to worst, let's talk injuries. Uh, we had whew, what felt like a lot in week two. Yeah, I feel like if you came out of week two without an injury, you were pretty darn lucky. Can say not many teams avoided that. A lot of important injuries, a lot of quarterback injuries this week. But let's talk quarterbacks. Tyrod Taylor hurt his hamstring against the Browns. Uh, he is questionable probably day-to-day I assume yeah I think a lot of this depends on the MRI results um Ian Rappaport reported that uh Taylor is not expected to play uh because they have a Thursday night game against the Panthers this coming week so a lot of that news has already started to roll out um so look for Davis Mills this week uh if you need a a fill-in for all these quarterback injuries uh he was only eight for eight for 102 yards a touchdown and a pick um, but he looks to be the starter for the Houston Texans on Thursday. Yeah, I'll say um, Davis Mills poss- possibly worth a speculative ad. Someone that might be good to have on your taxi squad. Yeah, um, big facts. Please don't start him this week. <laughs> do no, not, you, I do mean, not I hope start him. I hope you don't yeah. have to start Davis Mills for the purpose of your sanity, but I look to add him, like Andrew said, in that taxi spot. Yeah, if you got an open spot on your taxi squad, I think he's not a bad add. Um, Texans, another team that I think are favored for the number one pick next year, and I that probably means they'd be taking a quarterback. Also, a lot of quarterbacks to take next year, and I think they might take one. Also, that that Panthers defense looks kind of legit after what they did to the Saints this past weekend. I mean, it's also tough to predict with two weeks in and the Jets scored more points against them than the Saints did. But Yeah, that doesn't exactly seem right, and you don't know. If Jameis was playing like old Jameis, or if he, uh, if he's you know going to continue this uh, throughout the, I, you know, I thought he was changed for the better, but maybe the Panthers proved otherwise. Yeah, the Saints also missing a lot of coaches this weekend, which is probably probably tough. Probably makes it difficult to play a game. Something you don't see on the field, but but definitely you know, without a full staff there, makes it a little bit harder to play. Uh, Andy Dalton suffered an injury. Uh, during the game the other day, he didn't return, but, uh, Matt Nagy is saying that Andy Dalton is the starter of healthy. So maybe slowly roll on, on starting Justin Fields a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know what's it like. I mean, we've been saying that Justin Fields would be the starter sooner rather than later. And maybe this could be an opportunity, but you know, this isn't like a serious long-term injury as of yet. And I mean, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Yeah, it doesn't seem like this injury is too serious to Andy Dalton, which, I mean, good news for him. Nice guy. Nice guy, Andy Dalton. But but Matt Nagy, what the hell, man? It, it, this is your out. This is your opportunity. You said, hey, Andy, I promised you the starting job. You had it. I'm just looking out for your health. I mean, just just give Justin Fields the week. And if, he, if you're not overly impressed, all right, well, then you gave Andy a week to recover. He can come back in. It's fine. But... But if not, this is your out. Why Why isn't he taking it? Yeah, it does seem that uh, Matt Nagy could have taken the easy road here and went, okay, yeah, we need to rest Andy, rest Andy Dalton. Uh, we're going to give Justin the next game. And then like, if Justin had a stellar game, which would be Matt Nagy's dream, then he could just roll with him the rest of the way. But he seems to be adamant about giving Andy Dalton a chance. Maybe he's got a game plan to start Fields in week four, like we've said all along, and he's sticking to it. 
Uh, but we'll see. Maybe he's maybe he's just trying to fulfill a, uh, an agreement he has with Andy Dalton, you know, to give him a certain amount of games. I don't know. There's a <laughs> lot of speculation right now. Basically, well, Justin Fields needs to have an opportunity to lead this Bears team. I mean, you also look at like last year, like you don't want a Tua situation where, you know, Tua struggles and then he's constantly interchanging quarterbacks again, like bringing Andy Dalton in to replace Justin Fields. Because I feel like that really hurt Tua's confidence last year. For sure. Yeah, for sure. A little a little bit like week one here, they also have a tough, tough-ish matchup. Good defensive line in the Browns this week. Uh, I don't, I don't mind it. I don't mind, I don't mind leaving Andy Dalton out there. Maybe re-injure that knee. <laughs> no, <I'm> just, <laughs> Jeez. but, but no, no, of course not. We never wish that on anyone, but like, again, like probably not an ideal starting, like first real, real game for Justin Fields where he's coming in and Miles Garrett's running after him all game. Moving on, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, um, <laughs> For those of you who don't oh, know, man. Carson Wentz sprained both of his ankles on <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> both of them. Please, someone else talk about this because I just, I can't. Yeah, I got you, Andrew. Uh, so Carson Wentz was sort of getting tackled slash sacked and th- was throwing the ball. Instead of just falling and collapsing to avoid injury, he he was adamant about getting that ball off. And he ended up de- uh, spraining both ankles. There is no word on severity yet. Um, so we're not sure if he's going to be in or out this week. Um, in dynasty formats, you know, there's a chance that Wentz could be your starting quarterback. Um, so just keep an eye on that injury news throughout the week. Uh, you know, he dealt with that foot injury uh, earlier in the year. So hopefully it didn't, you know, re aggravate that. Um, so we'll see how Wentz's outlook is in a few days. Uh, stay tuned uh, for more updates there. Yeah, I think the good news here with Carson Wentz is that it doesn't seem to be that foot injury that he just repaired with surgery. Ankle sprains suck. They hurt. Um, but he will be back from this. It's it's not going to hold him out for the whole season. But damn, I just <laughs> it's it's wild that he can get both of them at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it does. It just doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound right. Carson, we need you. Like, we need you. But, you know, Jacob Eason, who... Honestly, Jacob Eason might still be on someone's team in your league from the preseason when, like... He had a really great showing at the end of this one. (laughs) That was... Oh, my goodness. Like, one of just the ugliest interceptions, like, I've, I've seen. Like, I get it. You know, they're a long way... A long way from the goal line, and... But like you're coming in cold trying I mean, to make a play, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugly. <laughs> and but you know like possibly a speculative ad, uh, like again another like taxi squad guy because I know people were doing that in the preseason when it looked like Wentz was going to miss a couple weeks to start the year. But you know just something to keep in mind. Not something that needs to be rostered. I will say not by any means, but something to keep in mind. Uh, Tua exited the game in the first quarter with a rib injury. Uh, it looks like bruised ribs, so not too serious, and he'll probably be day-to-day. Yeah, per the arrow, Tom Pelissero, uh the x-rays and further tests were negative, a.k.a. no fractures. Uh, so his availability will depend on his pain tolerance and function. Uh, he might end up getting that rib injection that, you know, hopefully he doesn't get the same doctor that Terod Taylor had last year, but he'll get a similar injection probably Yikes. to Terod Taylor. Um and I don't think that guy has a job anymore. Yeah, probably <laughs> not. Let's hope not. <laughs> I hope that guy had good liability insurance. Anyway, <laughs> I think Tua has a good chance to play this week. Um, they make things so that guys can be available with injuries like this. Just believe me, I've seen it. Yeah, maybe be cautious about you know your your Waddles and your Devontae Parkers and your possibly Will Fullers who missed this game due to a personal issue. But I'd be cautious a little bit about starting them uh, if two is not there. I think that's going to wrap up for quarterbacks. Uh, Jarvis Landry suffered an MCL sprain. Uh, Brady, why don't you take this one a little bit? Yeah, so as of this afternoon, it was yet to be confirmed by MRI. Uh, He left in the first quarter and didn't return. Stefanski said he's week to week at this point and has not ruled out Landry for week three. But the expectation at this point is that he'll be out two to three weeks just to allow himself to heal. It's a long season, 17 games uh, this year instead of 16. So 
I think they'll probably give Landry a chance to get back healthy and that'll give, you know, maybe some other weapons like Odell a chance to get back healthy and they'll probably want to come back full force instead of just stringing out, you know, half a half a loaded squad there each week. So I would expect Jarvis Landry to miss a couple of weeks, but nothing that will hold him out long term. Yeah, I would I would expect, I mean, with the way this offense is built, I, Donovan Peoples-Jones, it pains me to say, um, because his girlfriend's just beautiful, not to go full... A uh, little bro. bit off top, but no, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but, you <laughs> know, think, anyway, Nick? yeah, so I, I think he's potentially, you know, in, in a pinch with all these injuries, potentially a deep flex option. If you're looking for that guy in your dynasty league and, you know, may, maybe you ha- you're in a league that's 12, 14 teams and you got to go dig a little deeper. It's it's worth a look. Um, I'd definitely be monitoring this injury before I stuck him in, though. Yeah, some other names to look out for, too. Uh, Harrison Bryant, backup tight end, had four targets and four catches for 49 yards. Demetric Felton, who is sort of like an athlete role he plays a little running back and receiver he had two catches for 51 yards and a touchdown um I know you know that most of that came off that big play um so maybe look out for him too to get involved I think you're going to see sort of uh a whole orchestra of pass catchers with Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. out uh so it might be tough to pinpoint you know one over the other I would say that maybe Austin Hooper emerges as the favorite target just because he's a consistent um connection for baker yeah i'll just say uh keep an eye on anthony schwartz as well okay uh deontay johnson deontay johnson suffered a knee injury on the very last play of the game that meant absolutely nothing the steelers were not going to win this game it was not within reach and he ended a fantastic day on a, a catch that ended with him just on the ground on the sidelines uh the good news it does not seem to be long-term is what has been reported. So, you know, maybe a week, but just a player to, to keep an eye on the news for and, and see where the reports end up. Yeah. The Steelers typically play injuries close to the chest. They don't usually let more information out than needs to be out. You is a firsthand source too. the firsthand source. You won't know if he's available until probably Sunday before game time. Uh, even if, you know, they don't plan on using him. So if I were you, I would maybe try and find another option this week. Uh, expect the worst, hope for the best. Last minute um, activation for Deontay might help your week, but I would expect to not have him this week, uh, even though we don't know, you know, what the injury is. And, you know, they say it's not long term, um, but they may give him a chance to heal as well. Uh, all right. Dalvin Cook. Injured during the game, but returned. He'll be fine. You know, he'll be on and off the field with injuries all season. That's just Dalvin Cook. Daryl Henderson with a rib cartilage injury. Missed the fourth quarter. Um, not really updates, but uh, Sean McVay's hopeful that he'll play this week. He should be available again sometime in the future, the near future. Uh, Mari Cooper uh, had a rib injury that has been diagnosed as bruised ribs. So, uh, like Tua, he'll kind of be day-to-day, like, like he he'll hopefully play this week. Uh, Lavisca Chenault suffered a shoulder injury. Um, Urban Meyer said today that he should be able to play this week. Let's talk a little about the San Francisco backfield. Um, Elijah Mitchell with a shoulder stinger during the game, and Jermichael Hasty uh, with an ankle injury during the game. Trey Sermon with a concussion during the game. Trenton Cannon was the running back that was in uh, by the end. Obviously, Raheem Mostert out for the season. Yeah, This is a little bit of a mess. Moral of the story is don't be a 49ers running back because you will get injured. Don't do it. Don't do it. It, They have the worst luck with their injuries, and it seems to be this way every year. Like They seem to have a... A big cycle of injuries. You know, one comes back and then another one is out with another injury. Trenton Cannon, yeah. speculative. They've bad. had, they've had a, they've had a different, they've had a different like leading rusher for the last like each year for the last like three or four years. Like yeah. running backs in San Francisco just cannot cannot stay healthy. 
Speaking of San Francisco running backs, um, if like if you're in a relatively new dynasty league and this name might not have been one that was on people's minds during the draft, especially with the drafting of Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell this year, if Jeff Wilson Jr. is out there as a free agent, go grab him. Go grab him. He had some really good games last year. And, like, I mean, it's literally just a like a spin the wheel of whoever's healthy. But, like, someone in your league should be starting a 49ers running back this week. And if you missed out on Elijah Mitchell and have a chance to get Jeff Wilson or can even trade very cheaply for Jeff Wilson, like, Jeff Wilson could be a one-year asset, you know, if somehow he were able to come back and stay healthy, who could really, really help your team. Uh, Jeff Wilson was on IR, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. I was no, he is. He's on He's on the short-term IR, but he'll be back eventually soonish, hopefully, I think. I think the okay, projection correct? is week four initially, yeah. Yeah, Jeff Wilson is on IR for now, projected to return around week four. But, you know, get in on it now if he's available. Get in on it now uh, while the rest of your league is still, you know, a, a few weeks away from hearing about it. I think that's going to do us for injuries. Thank God. It, yeah, you said it. <laughs> it God it felt like a lot. Um, okay, so let's dive a little deeper into some of the some of the good things we saw this week. Uh, Hollywood Brown, Hollywood Brown, wide receiver for the Ravens, the one player, the wide receiver that Nick would not like to have, would like to avoid at any costs. Uh, he's had a very good start to the season. <laughs> I Nick, I don't mean to call up. you out. I don't mean to call you out as if we don't all have some some cold takes and now a lot of them on record. But uh, I mean, I don't. I don't know if any of us expected this from Hollywood Brown to start the season. I remember I was very much agreeing with you. Yeah, I, I'm impressed. I'm impressed so far. Uh, Marquise Brown has played great. He had 10 targets this week, caught six of them, 113 yards, I think, and a touchdown. So. Not against the slouch of a defense either. Uh, there's nothing really bad I could say about Marquise Brown right now. I would still like to see him and his role in this offense when they are at full strength. I mean, we still have Rashad Bateman out, Tylen Wallace, and Devin DuVernay. Not that I expect Devin DuVernay to play much of a role, at least not threaten Marquise Brown's. But, I mean, there is definitely some options that are out, not to mention J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards for years to come. So, I am impressed with Marquise Brown, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm not fully buying in yet. And maybe, maybe that's a little bit of take lock. What do you guys think? You know, uh, fair to acknowledge that there are some wide receiver options missing, but also that, you know, Marquise Brown picked higher than any of those guys, except for Rashad Bateman. And I, like, I do believe they want to find it and they have wanted to find a way to fit him into the offense. You know, he's also been a young receiver learning his way into the game. It's only his third season. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they're using him in an entirely new way this season. Like, it really does. They're not just having him. I feel like he got a little bit of, like, what Henry Ruggs had last year where they've just been like, hey, run straight and see if Lamar can hit you on a pass. And Lamar hasn't really been able to do that. But now, like, they're running him across the middle. They're just like, it's more of like a get open thing. And he has gotten open, especially in the end zone. And, you know, obviously his weeks wouldn't be what they were without touchdowns, which, again, you know, very slippery. But... Uh, you know, he he's 10 targets, 10 targets and six catches, which I I would have to check the stats, but that feels like a higher catch rate than he's had in any of his first two seasons. Yeah, I, I'm happy to see that they're involving Marquise in a more diverse route tree. Lamar did say that he was looking to throw the ball a little bit more this year. Uh, I think he's been a little hesitant to uh, escape the pocket and uh, break the play. So I think it's a good thing for Marquise Brown that um, Lamar has tried to maybe extend the play, but also allow himself to to throw the ball downfield a little bit more. Uh, like Nick said, the fact that you know we're missing some of their starting running backs uh, maybe forces them to throw the ball more. And you know those injuries to receivers uh, do probably hold the most weight. So it'd be interesting to see what the target share looks like whenever they're back. So Marquise Brown, I, I don't know exactly where he ranks through two weeks. Obviously, we're still waiting on a game to finish up. But I would imagine he's around, like, if not if not a wide receiver one, like around kind of the, like, higher-end, mid-range wide receiver two spot so far throughout the season. Obviously, a very small sample size. Anyone want to say where they think he might end up at the end of this year? 
I could I could see him down probably around wide receiver thirty six. I think he'll probably even out around you know a mid to low end wide receiver three, uh, which you know still definitely holds its value. Um, but I think you know once these pass catching options get mixed back in, maybe his target share comes down a little bit. We haven't really seen Mark Andrews have a big game yet. He's just been kind of consistently catching a few balls and getting some yards. But uh, I think there will be weeks that you know he doesn't score 20 points which is fine but uh i i I don't see him being that wide receiver one right now yeah i have him way down uh not in the wide receiver two range uh he's pretty far down the list for me in terms of uh wide receiver finishes if he sustains you know his production like this you know i wouldn't be shocked if he finishes as a as like a low end wide receiver two high end wide receiver three um but like we've said here we're not sure if this is going to be sustainable. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. And, hey, we've all had some cold takes, you know, throughout our days. I mean, I'm going to say I legitimately think he could finish as high as, like, wide receiver 26. I, I legitimately think his ceiling is that high because, you know, I don't think he's going to be a model of consistency like he has been through the first two weeks. But he obviously has the ability to make big plays, like break big plays, and that's like what his appeal has always been, is that any week he could break off, you know, a sixty yard touchdown. But the way the way that I've seen them using him, and obviously, you know, the other part of this is that they've been in two pretty high scoring competitive games so far, and it's like necessitated them passing the ball, and that's not gonna be all of all of the Ravens games, I don't think. I think that's more of a reflection of their opponents than on on the Ravens as a whole. But I I think I could like I think they they really want to target him and he's got that big playability and I think he could legitimately finish as high as like just outside the wide receiver 2 range. All right, Terry McLaurin something that I kind of have to talk about I guess this week. He uh he had a great week. 11 catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. He was the the clear number yes, one target sir. for Taylor Heineke, as as he should be. I um, does this seem like an anomaly to anyone else? Like in any sort of way, not Terry's talent, but like a high scoring game maybe for the for the football team. Like, oh. I think it was a high scoring game. Uh, but put some put some damn respect on Terry McLaurin's name. I was I t- never trying to take respect off his name. I understand. I understand where you're going with it, but I mean, it. all we've seen is Terry McLaurin produce bad quarterbacks, good quarterbacks, quarterbacks that used to be okay and then absolutely destroyed their legs. Um, he, he produces, and that's what Terry McLaurin does. I can't wait for the day. I hope I see it where he gets a real quarterback a quarterback that, you know, is going to be the future of the franchise and delivers balls on target to where he is. But either way, I still think he's going to get his and you're going to reap the benefits. Nick, how dare you disrespect Taylor Heineke like that? Taylor he is a Heineke. real quarterback. What do you he's mean? Fine. <laughs> he's fine. What do you mean he's fine? I mean, like, he looked, besides the pick at the end of the game, he looked like he was very... Yeah, besides that. Okay. But you know, everybody makes one bad. I mean, no, he played. He played. He played a good game. Like, yeah, he played a good game. Yeah, I think he just made a bad decision there. But when when he was, you know, balling in the first three quarters, most of his throws were on target. Nothing, you know, he didn't air mail it and throw bad interceptions. You know, because of you know missed targets. You know, he just made some bad choices, and those those choices you can fix. You know, I think his accuracy looks fine. He was able to extend the play with his legs, which, you know, bodes well when your wide receivers have some time to maybe ad lib a little bit and get open. I think what honestly, you know, who who suffered the most from from this was uh, Antonio Gibson. Uh, It just didn't seem like uh, Heineke was looking for him very much in the passing game, but it seemed like Heineke had no issue looking at J.D. McKissick, so I'm not sure what the disconnect is there. And Gibson played receiver in college, so it's not like he's incapable. Uh, I think Terry McLaurin will be just fine, but maybe keep an eye on Antonio Gibson. Speaking of running backs to keep an eye on, uh, can we talk about this Dallas backfield a little bit? Because it's been interesting, to say the least. So, I mean... Ezekiel Elliott absolutely dominated snaps this week as he did week one, but we saw a pretty even split in terms of touches. I think Zeke ended with two more than Tony Pollard. 
Um, I kind of alluded to it earlier. They both got a touchdown, and Tony Pollard looked great, but so did Zeke. They they both had great weeks. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think Zeke will continue to be the number one, um, but there's certainly going to be room for Tony Pollard production in this offense. Uh, I heard an ana- an analogy that I kind of like today. Um, it could be similar to the Green Bay backfield with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Um, Aaron Jones, you know, was the clear RB1 when Jamal Williams was there, but Jamal still had fantasy value. I think you could see something similar here, uh, especially if Dallas continues to be in these shootouts where they're going to need to, you know, make plays on offense um, and not kind of burn clock at the end of games. Uh, Pollard did look very efficient, you know, 13 carries and 109 yards, you know, a little bit under you know, 10 yards a carry, somewhere between eight and nine. Um, that's very efficient. You know, some of those are... Those, those big plays, yeah. Yeah, some of those are from big plays. But, you know, I think they had a similar number of receptions, so I don't know that one has more pass-catching ability. I think it's just a, a situation where two backs can uh, have consistent fantasy production. It's just one week, you know, somebody might outscore the other by a little bit, which isn't necessarily great for Zeke Elliott, but it's not bad either. I don't like that didn't make me feel good. Like the sound of that didn't make me feel like if 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 that Dallas backfield is like a toss up situation each week between Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, then I don't feel good. I don't feel good about Zeke. I, I have felt good about Zeke like coming into this season, but as I said last week, I was a little bit a little bit concerned about Ezekiel Elliott because I don't trust Mike McCarthy and Mike McCarthy clearly trust Tony Pollard like it's it because it's not just like the volume but it's like the manufactured touches like that that play that they ran on the goal line where he 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 ran in for his touchdown it's funny you mentioned Mike McCarthy Andrew because he uh was the Packers coach uh during that whole Aaron Jones Jamal Williams situation so it seems like we have another uh running back toss-up on our hands with Mike McCarthy yeah, I don't like that. I hate that. <laughs> I think that's fair to point out, but I also think it, it's still Ezekiel Elliott. I think Mike McCarthy is, is going to be capable of seeing you know, who the more deserving back is, not to say Tony Pollard isn't talented, but I think he is that splash play guy for them. He's that guy that's going to come in and, and maybe not run the ball straight up the middle, but he's going to get some outside looks. He's going to swing out from the backfield and and try and get into space. And I think Ezekiel Elliott's going to be a more traditional, you know, running back for them. But I I think they both have value. I think Zeke is still firmly an RB1, in my opinion. Um, I think Tony Pollard, you know, could be making making his case to be a a solid to high-end RB3 here, though. Did anyone else feel like they were, like – Whenever they looked at the game the other day, like whenever they they peeked over to see what was happening, it was just Zeke Elliott running the ball for like eleven yards up the middle, because that's what I felt like what happened. Like I felt like every time I I I saw it, it was a Zeke handoff, and like he was run- I I I just I don't understand why he's not getting more usage. Like thirteen carries for Pollard, that's a lot. Like if he had like six carries and turned that into one hundred nine yards because he broke a couple big plays, like. That's whatever, but 13 carries, that's a lot of Zeke's work that he's taking away. Yeah, for sure, Andrew, and that's um, definitely a valid concern. I think one thing to point out, though, is that whenever they get in those red zone situations, you know, it's still Zeke. Like, they're not putting Tony Pollard in there to punch in those touchdowns, and so... They did on Sunday. Yeah, I not the that. punch in a touchdown though. That, that was a gadget play. But it was, like I'm I mean, saying, you know? but it was a gadget play. But they were on like the two yard line, like yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a gadget play though. Like I don't think they're consistently running that play. I think they're going to consistently try and run it up the middle with Zeke for you know eleven ten yards, and then once they get into the red zone, they're still going to give him you know that red zone carry. And you know, with Zach Martin in the middle, Zeke should have no problem getting in the end zone and capping off the drives. Which he did. Yeah. I I hope so. I'm hopeful. I'm trying to be hopeful for Ezekiel Elliott because he's he's very talented and like he would be he would be a, a easy three down workhorse back on any other team, but Mike McCarthy just can't seem to run an efficient offense. Quit hating on Tony Pollard, Andrew, all right? Let the man earn his money. 
I don't hate Tony Pollard. I think Tony Pollard is, he does what he does very well. And that's be a change of pace back, but he's not like, he's not as talented as Zeke. Okay. Uh, let's move on to Denver. Denver obviously lost Jerry Judy last week. And, you know, there were some questions. Cortland Sutton did not have a great game last week. Tim Patrick was getting targets. Noah Fant was getting a lot of targets. KJ Hamler got a couple targets, all of them more than, than Cortland Sutton. Not the case this week. Not not the case this no, week. Sir. I, I don't I don't think it made it into our final pod again because some technical difficulties, but we did have a little bit I had a little bit of concern last week about, you know, new quarterback who would be Teddy's kind of favorite target among the wide receivers. And I posited that it might be Tim Patrick. But yeah, no, that's no. Mm-mm. Cortland Sutton, baby. Fire up your Cortland Suttons. Yeah, fire up your Cortland Suttons, uh, except in the red zone, because apparently Tim Patrick is a better touchdown catcher than Cortland Sutton. Um, <laughs> he did steal that touchdown from Cortland Sutton, which I was very upset with this week. Um, but yeah, Sutton is looking great after that ACL. It doesn't look like he it's affecting him at all. Uh, he's the clear leader among these Denver receivers, and I think it's very safe to say that he'll continue that until Jerry Judy comes back. Uh, and that's a good thing, especially for Cortland in the ro- long run, because uh, he'll continue to build that chemistry with Teddy and down the stretch whenever Teddy needs a, a go-to target, uh, uh, he'll be able to count on Cortland Sutton. And that's the type of receiver Cortland Sutton is. He, he's going to be the guy that goes up and gets those balls that are impossible to catch. He's not going to be the separation guy that Judy is, but he is going to be the, I need to catch now, who do I throw it to receiver? So it, I agree, Brady. It is nice that he's developing that chemistry a bit. Um, but I, I don't think there's even much more to say. 14 targets, 150 yards, alpha dog receiver. Uh, dog. Target hog. <sighs> you know what I'm saying? It, yes, there's sir. nothing not to like. I've been on Cortland Sutton for the past two years, and it just it feels so good to see him have this performance. Hey, I've been on Cortland Sutton for the past three years. Oh. <laughs> okay, so we're all going to try and one-up each other, huh? Well, guess what? Yeah. I've only been on Cortland Sutton this year, so I'm late to the party. I was on Cortland Sutton in high school. Oh, Not okay. like that. Uh, Brady, <laughs> injury expert, any lingering concern about that ACL? Nah. So usually the main concern with uh, ACL injuries um, – aside from the integrity uh, is the psychological aspect. Sometimes you'll see guys be sort of afraid to cut on it. Uh, in Saquon's warmups, you'll notice that he spends a lot of time working on cuts and trying to feel his knee out or whatever. Uh, Cortland looks like he is not concerned about that knee whatsoever. He was out there breaking routes off uh, with no issues, uh, you know, no hesitation at all. I know he's not a big separation guy, but he's still, you know, sticking the routes at the top of the route and stuff. He does not look like he's worried about uh, his knee at all. So that psychological aspect is gone, and I think Cortland Sutton is all the way back. Yeah, and I'm not a doctor, but I think 9 for 159 is also a pretty good indication of health. Uh, guys, I, <laughs> I think I think Cortland Sutton might be the guy for this podcast because we all seem to own him somewhere and and just be big fans. So looks like we can all rally around Cortland Sutton whenever we're feeling down. Yeah, maybe he'll come on and uh, be our first guest. I mean, the invite's open. The invite is, is just, it's extended and open whenever. I'm sure that'll get to him. Absolutely. You know he's listening. All right. Damian Harris, big week for Damian Harris. Uh, clear leader in the Patriots' backfield and um, just one heck of a touchdown run. Yeah, that touchdown run was disgusting. I mean, he was like a pinball going to the end zone. How many guys can he carry at one time? Look like seven or eight. I would like to see him. I would like to physics. see him try all eleven because I bet he can. I mean, I think at least four or five different Patriots defenders touch, or excuse me, at least four or five Jets defenders touched him on that run. Well, and he was just bouncing off him. Yeah. It looked like the Patriots O line felt bad because they were trying to tackle him too. You know, a couple of them <laughs> tried to grab for him, and they just—it doesn't matter. No one could get him. Yeah, Damian Harris certainly put that fumble behind him from last week. Uh, he looked strong running the ball this week, aside, even aside from that uh, that run for the tutty. Um, James White was even more of a threat uh, this week, but more of a threat to the Patriots receivers. Uh, he led the team in targets and receptions. So I think you have a situation here where 
either one of those Patriots running backs uh, could be useful, especially in your deeper dynasty leagues. Yeah, I think we might be getting back to those days where the Patriots have a, a runner and runner plus James White, and you know there's there's room for both of them to succeed. I do not like the sound of the Patriots retor- returning to their former glory with two running backs <laughs> and a quarterback who throws the high percentage throws all the time. Uh, that scares me as a Steelers fan, and that should scare anybody who is a fan of an AFC team. Yeah, I think it brings back a little trauma for all of us. I was going to say, or a Falcons fan. AFC team, or a Falcons fan. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not even dwell on that because I'm so past that. I never think about it. Um, mm-hmm. I I just kind of want to toot my own horn. We've been name dropping Damian Harris a, a, a few times so far in this podcast. And I know the first time we brought him up, I, I said, James White, sneaky play this year. Probably going to have some flex value. And I think we could potentially see him turn it up into RB2 value, at least for the season. Okay. Uh, obviously, he is 29 years old, but I, he could be a buy candidate. I'd say if you can get him for a low price because of the age, because of last year's production under you know a run-heavy Cam Newton-led team, uh, he could provide some fantastic depth to your roster and maybe a spot start if you need it well and this was even this was even a plus matchup for them like they dominated the Jets they the Jets could not do anything against them but he still found the work because you know it's not even like oh we're we're down we're gonna bring in our pass catching back and he's gonna get some garbage points he's a part of how they move the ball on offense he's a part of how they move the ball and I think you know the important thing to remember is if legendary quarterback Tom Brady can check down and, and run the, the offensive scheme by dumping off to James White six times a game. I don't think the rookie, Mac Jones, is going to be above that by any means. Take the easy completions, take the easy yards. Very true. If it's not above Tom Brady, it's not above you. All right, that's going to do it for us here at the Dewar Dynasty Podcast. Like last week, we'll have another episode coming this week. Hopefully, it'll be coming out a lot sooner than Saturday this week. It was great to have you. Uh, anything you guys want to say to sign off? Yeah, I just want to say um, I had a really dynamite Tyreek Hill joke that's probably going to get cut um, to the fans. I apologize. I knew it was going to be borderline, but uh, you know, maybe I'll uh, I'll throw it on my Twitter before I get banned. Yeah, if you're looking for borderline questionable jokes, follow Nick on uh on twitter at the ugly barnacle and also while you're there follow us at the uh at dod underscore fb and as well on instagram uh we keep talking about a tiktok too Uh, it seems like that is uh in the works and possibly coming to you this week yeah i think you know the mystery is almost better than the tiktok itself uh also quick update the packers won this game 35 17 which means the lions didn't even cover but the overhit. Aaron Jones, dog. The overhit, and I also won my matchup by three points. Woo, doggy! Woo. It feels good to win. All right. We will see you later this week.